We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and still trying to recover from another Denver Broncos loss. Michael J. Bocci. Okay. All Bocci, right. How's it going, brother? Whoa, that was a blind side right over here. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, I, we, we lost the, the Jets. What I hate most about the Broncos is there's this moment <laughs> in the game where I'm fine with losing, but then they come all the way back and they make it really interesting to the point where it's like, well, oh, we might actually come back. And then we just lose in terrible fashion. Whether a couple weeks ago we don't get the two point conversion after a Hail Mary, this game all of a sudden Russell Wilson leads us down, he strip sack, they run it back for a touchdown. It's just the season's done. There's going to be a fire sale soon. You know what? Not everything is as fun as maybe your Colts right now. You get Jonathan Taylor back signed, you get a win. Obviously, you know, Anthony Richardson, it's, it's a little bit tough. There's only one horse in this league, and it's the Colts, baby. The Broncos are MIA. <laughs> Sean yeah. Payton, you know, talking last year about Nathaniel Hackett being the worst coach, gets beat he, by he, his. He game. was pretty bad, but you you got to win that game if you're going to call out another coach. So yes, exactly. You know. That's that's why it's so funny. I mean, I really don't care that much, but we got better things to talk about than the crappy Denver Broncos. We We're going to talk about the exciting, scrappy Indiana Pacers, who you know clawed their way back into the game last mm-hmm. night against Memphis with the second unit. We talked about that on our previous podcast. If you guys didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to our recap of that preseason game. But exciting times because Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, is joining us today, Fachi, for a very fun conversation. Get to pick JJ's brain a little bit because JJ just has been around this team for quite a while, and I think that always getting to hear from him makes a big difference. You think you can mark your calendar. Once once JJ comes on setting the pace, <laughs> that season is right around the corner. That's exactly how it feels right now. 
it was just refreshing. I feel like we're getting the band back together. When you, you get JJ on the show, you know, we got to get Chris back on soon. And it's just awesome. In 10 seasons, this is JJ's 10th season. Very impressive. I, I mean, look, awesome guy. He's been so supportive of us for years now that it's just, I'm excited to see those familiar faces again on my television rooting on the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, and let's be honest. If you don't have Ballet Sports Indiana and you don't have a cable package, you're missing out because I get it. it's $19.99 a month for Ballet Sports. It's not the greatest deal, right? But it's still it's still a, an opportunity to watch the Pacers if you don't have one. And before, you know, you could watch some of the games on local television, but not every game was broadcasted. So you're getting full access to watch every single game by getting this. So if you want to hear JJ's interviews, post-game stuff, sideline reporting, Get the Bally Sports 1999 package if you don't have cable. I would recommend getting that, if you, especially if you can't watch the League Pass here because you're blacked out. So there are options out there for you, Pacer fans, if you're really wanting to soak up all the content that you can. And uh, I, I think we owe it to those guys that put in the work every single year that are, you know, they're not employed by Bally, but they are Bally Sports employees. You know, they they cover this team and they give us great content to be able to listen to them, come on our shows and stuff like that. So I would say support support Bally Sports because you're supporting Chris and Ari, Quinn Buckner, JJ. That's that's the main guys there that you're you're really watching the the broadcast for. Absolutely, I mean it's it's quite the crew, and uh, they're going to give you a lot of entertainment back, a lot of bang for the buck. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll have an interview with Jeremiah Johnson. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Pacer fans. Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at theblueandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on the Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on theblueandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he is the sideline reporter in the pregame and postgame host on Bally Sports Indiana. It's Jeremiah Johnson. JJ, year number 10 we found out before we started the podcast, so pretty big milestone for you. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Alex and Fachi, uh, uh, how many years for you guys doing the podcast? Five deep. Just had the five-year five? anniversary, you know, recently, and uh, yeah, I think overall that's like 700-plus episodes for us. That's impressive. I think 
I have to check with Pat. Sideline guys will be relaunching here in the next week. Um, so I think I could even go to iTunes and scroll through and see. I think they're almost all still on there. So I could, I could probably count or maybe I could have my youngest son uh, do a chore and say, go through and count all these. But, uh, yeah, it's it sure has been. It's flown by even though, you know, 10 years is a long time. And uh, like I tell people, I'll uh, – I don't take it for granted and, you know, I'm happy to keep doing it as long as they'll let me. Absolutely. And JJ, we're excited to have you back. It's just, there's something about this time of the year where we get to see all those familiar faces again. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but you mentioned 10 years. What's your level for excitement for this Pacers team compared to last year? Because obviously going into the season, a little bit of a different vibe this year compared to last year. Yeah, there was so much uncertainty one year ago that when people would ask me questions about what to expect, and I could say something, but I really had no idea. And it is one of those things, you know, for the previous eight years, let's say, I I always went into the year thinking, all right, this is, I'm at least going to need to keep my schedule open, you know, for the middle of April, hopefully the end of April. I I don't want to schedule anything for early May. And last year was the first year that, I kind of, even though I never wanted to like officially say it, it was, it, it felt like that game in New York, even though it was game 82, it was, there was finality. Uh, then you got to January and you're like looking at the standings and you're fourth or fifth. And I'm like, man, playoff, playoff opportunities are there. So the season went, you know, so much better than anyone could have, could have hoped or anticipated, I think, just because they were able to find out exactly what they had in Tyrese Halliburton. They were able to, unlock a little bit of miles turner that even though he had been with the team you know for seven years another layer to his game that people didn't um know was there and then you know you're able to to see that benedict matherin is someone that you can build around and while it didn't end in the playoffs i think every everything is a possibility for this season so the excitement level is high you know last year i was probably as excited about anything was just to get back on the road because i feel like i can do my job so much better on the road and even though um, it wasn't a season where you were saying, okay, this is a team that's going to be fighting for a home court advantage or a playoff spot. It was still fun to be on the road. Now to go on the road with a team that is going to be one that's not just, uh, oh, the Pacers are in town. I think the Pacers probably won some games last year because no one expected anything. Now people are going to be excited to see this team around the league. They're going to be hyping up Halliburton and, and Matherin and, and Turner. So it, there's a lot to be excited about. It does feel like that game in Madison Square Garden, game 82. That seems like such a long time ago. I'm ready to get going. I, I don't blame you. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of expectations from fans this year for this team to be a playoff team. Now, I know the team has not necessarily said that on the record. They're They're kind of still evaluating things and looking at things with the long term. But in terms of this roster and how everything's been kind of focused on training camp battles and, you know, lineups and rotations. Is there a certain player maybe on the roster that you're thinking can make a big jump this year? It does seem like Benedict Matherin is the one that when you saw him in the first half of the season, you were just thinking about the potential, the comparisons, all of the things that he could do. And he let, you know, he maybe flattened out a little bit, maybe a little bit of the rookie wall, even though uh, maybe it was a little bit of the scouting, I think, more than anything, because I don't think I noticed him getting fatigued. He's in such good shape and he works so hard. But I think there was maybe a scouting report out on him. And so that's, to me, um, the area where if he can add some other layers to his game, he takes the next jump in terms of just physicality and has that year under his belt. 
and he's most likely, we don't know this for sure, but you go from a guy that's coming off the bench to a guy that's probably starting games and they're going to have to accept a, a more difficult assignment defensively from the opening tip and, and to be able to coexist more with established NBA players instead of coming off the bench and just saying, I'm going to be able to come in and get, you know, eight points in the, in the first four minutes I'm on the, on the court. You can't think that way when you're starting. So he's the player that should make the biggest jump. And the, I'm probably most excited about just because some of the things that he does in games or in practice, uh, they make you not, you know, I don't want to like throw names of players out there, but he does some things that the average NBA player can't do. So if he can pick up those other aspects of the game that maybe he struggled in his rookie year, um, it's a jump that can, that can help him, but in turn helps the Pacers make that next step. No, he's a special player, no doubt about it. Really excited to see the leap he goes from rookie to sophomore. That's where most players, you know, take uh, that, that biggest step forward. So for Matherin, it feels like the sky's the limit. But you talked about Matherin, but which offseason addition, whether it's Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, or acquiring Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown, which of those players are you most excited to see in a Pacers uniform this year? Probably Obi Toppin. And if you because you said excited, I think he's going to be – uh, one of those guys that when you're watching, your eyes are immediately drawn to. Last season, for a lot of the time, you were just like, wherever Tyrese Halliburton is, you're going to watch. But I think you're going to have to kind of have an eye to the the top of the key. And then you're going to be looking at the corner of your eye saying, what's Obi Toppin doing? But the one thing that I wanted to point out, and I, I thought it was good to see early on in that first preseason game, is, is something I saw in the first couple of practices that I watched is his three-point shot. While he mm-hmm. made a lot of shots against the Pacers, he seemed like he had his best games against the Pacers. All you heard about from July until October was the lobs and the, the running the floor. You didn't hear a lot of talk about the three-point shooting and the ability to space, and that's important to Rick Carlisle. And to me, that's probably one aspect of his game that maybe this team wants to see the most from him early because they do obviously have some decisions to make about his contract. And I've seen him confidently knock down three-point shots in practice. I, you saw it, one of his first opportunities in the game against Memphis. And so I'm most excited just to see if he can be unlocked. We've seen players come to Indiana that either didn't have a big role or didn't get a lot of opportunities, and they've really flourished. And it just seems like this is going to be perfect for him. And I, I just love – I mean, you guys are energetic, enthusiastic podcasters and fans. It, it warms my heart to see someone – that's a lottery pick that had been playing in New York City that just will not hesitate in saying how happy he is to be an Indiana Pacer. And so with that alone, yeah. everyone needs to just wrap their arms around Obi Toppin and, and see what happens on the court. Yeah, I think that's a Tyrese Halliburton effect, and I think that that's going to continue to happen as we see Tyrese just emerge into a better player and maybe make that next step into an All-NBA kind of guy. But Speaking of eighth overall picks, Jarris Walker, I thought his debut in the preseason was really fun to see. It was all over the place, just like he was in summer league. And he too has a very fun personality. Seems really excited to be here. What did you see from Jarris in that first preseason game? And maybe some of the things you've noticed from him in practice. Yeah, I think that he, he is a little bit like Mathern in that he doesn't look like a rookie. He looks older than he is. And these guys come into the league having played so many games at, at a young age. And um, they both have, have played, had played at a high level. At, you know, Ben was 
playing in Mexico at the, you know, the NBA Academy and, and IMG, Jairus Walker. And even though, you know, limited college experience, they're just maybe more developed than the average first year player used to be, let's say, even five or 10 years ago. And so I think it may take a little bit of time offensively, but that preseason game, now granted, you're going against Memphis's probably second and third unit players. Uh, I love the confidence that he had, some of the passes that he made. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure. And part of it is just the roster. There's, there's really 12 guys, maybe even 13, that can make a case to deserve to be in a rotation. And your average rotation is nine and a half. And so it, it made sense that maybe he – might be on the outside looking in a day one, but maybe he plays his way in this preseason where you can't have him off the floor. And the, the defense that he'll bring, the rebounding that he'll add, that this team has needed for a number of years, that's big. But uh, I'm interested to see the playmaking skills because I don't think you could expect great shooting, but the confidence to shoot the shot I think is good as well. I thought his shot looked real good in that first preseason game compared to summer league where he struggled a little bit. So that had me feeling, hey, you know what, that that procedure to clean up his elbow, maybe that had something to do with it. Not not sure, but the shot looked good. But you talked about potentially 12 or 13 guys that really could be playing for playing time, you know, fighting for playing time. The theme seems to be competition. There is a lot of competition. That's probably the word tossed around most this offseason. How deep do you feel that this Pacers team is compared to some of the teams over the last few years? Because the 18 they brought in a training camp this year compared to last year, it looks significantly better. It's probably almost deeper than most coaches would want because I think that if you ask, if you ask the coach, you'd like there to be some clear separation and some role definition in training camp. It's great because the competition for playing time, um, you know, this team should, when everyone is healthy, be um, to me, one of the best preseason teams because everyone is sort of fighting to prove something. But it could be problematic at times if you don't have the right guys. This is where I do think um, they've got the kind of personalities of players that if you just, you know, without saying names, if you if I think right now about some ones that if they're out of the rotation, will they pout? Will they sulk? I don't I don't see it happening. And one of the things, you know, in an NBA season is there are always going to be injuries. And so, you know, sometimes things just kind of take care of themselves. But uh, I, I I joked if they had a, a true first team, second team, and third team, that it might be the best. Uh, the third team always used to wear yellow jerseys in practice. Uh, they called them the mustard team, I think, at times. I said that the, the mustard team could be the best mustard team in my 10 years with the Pacers. They've kind of mixed it up a little bit. So I I don't think they're really doing a clear separation um, because it's they don't really want to tell anybody right now you're on the outside looking in. But uh, the depth is impressive, and they will be well-positioned if and when you get those bumps and bruises or minor injuries during the course of the season. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that not kind of setting the pecking order, you know, aside from maybe Tyrese and Miles, who they've been on the record saying those are the only two guys guaranteed to start, it does make it a little bit uh, healthier in terms of that competition. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and I think one thing I did want to bring up, and it's it's perfect in this forum with, with you because you two – analyze every game and you're on every day and sometimes even at halftime I noticed some some tweets from some people well why isn't Jairus Walker playing and you know he didn't play in the first half he played in the second half what I would like to caution most people that would be listening to this is have a, a little bit of a patient approach 
it's understandable if, let's say, the first Saturday at Cleveland game two, someone who you had high hopes for is not playing. You know, if you expect the player to handle it well, the fans have to understand there are 12 or 13 guys. So for every one guy that might not be playing, then you have to be prepared to say who who should be sitting if that person is playing. And there are probably going to be some games where the rotation switches and a guy that maybe got 22 minutes on one night, maybe second half of the back-to-back, he's out of the rotation. And it's not because they're resting him, but maybe it's a, a different matchup. So um, I did want to get that point out there. Don't overreact to the first five and the first four off the bench on opening night. What did we see from Andrew Nemhard opening night last year? Didn't DMP. Play. Didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up uh, – Having a pretty nice rookie year. Yeah, and that's kind of – I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, Sorry, no that, that's a great point. And I think, you know, we, we heard Carlisle say even in these preseason games, it's going to be a carryover of training camp. So I think that they're still trying to figure it out. And maybe the guys that were here, maybe a little bit more of a veteran presence, uh, guys that have been in the league a couple of years, give them the first nod to kind of see what they can do with that second unit. And we'll see what happens. Without Tyrese, without Tice yesterday, without Nimhart, I thought the rotations were a little bit too much to read into in terms of what they probably envision for the long term. But we'll see. I mean, you don't take a guy eighth overall on Jairus Walker to probably not play him very much. That's one of those things where I would – that's why I was like, okay, he didn't play till the second half, but let's not overthink this. I think the case for Ben Shepard's a little bit different just because he was the 26th pick, and you already have a ton of guards there. But one guy that I know that people are kind of curious about in terms of what his role might be is an Aaron Neesmith. And – Last year, came in, played the four. He even talked about playing more of the three this year. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast already, but what kind of differences do you envision for him switching from the four to the three, and do you think that's a better fit for him with this team? Uh, You know, I thought he did some really good things at the four. Some of it just depends on who he has to guard on the other end of the floor. But uh, in talking with some of the people in Boston, they they had a nickname for him that I don't know that we've used as much, but I think they called him Crash Neesmith because he hates he, it. You know, yeah, well, I haven't used it as much. Maybe that <laughs> reporter isn't his favorite one. He's like, he's like, how's Crash doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But there is uh, some validity to it is that he does crash the boards really well, and you need a guy like that. And that's maybe you think of more of your four than – then your three, the thing that I would say is it felt like his three-point shooting was so hot and cold last season, and whoever you put out there at the three, you really need to be maybe a reliable three-point shooter. The best thing, though, is you know he is a guy that should be able to guard any wing that's out there. He's one of your best uh, wing defenders, I think. And if the roster wasn't so deep, he would be in such a great position to you know be the person maybe that I would answer Fachi's question about you know, taking the leap or whether it's your question. Uh, if there wasn't so much competition, I do think he could take a big leap. And I do like what I've seen from him. Physically, he's so much stronger. And even in talking with him, there's a confidence that I felt like last year, even until about January or February, he was really trying to prove himself because he hadn't had a lot of opportunity. And now I'd, I think he's just comfortable. He's 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 one of those guys that's kind of quiet. He's he's maybe not going to be everybody's best friend on the team, but I do feel like he's more comfortable with his teammates this season, more comfortable with the media. And so I hope he still gets that opportunity, whether it's the three or the four off the bench. Um, it remains to be seen. But, you know, <laughs> I couldn't tell you right now what that bench rotation would look like. So nothing would surprise me if he even gets some – he could get some four minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he was – 
I don't know if you want to say an unsung hero or not, but playing out of position, they needed him last year. And I think that that's someone the fan base fell in love with. And he really was kind of the X factor for the Pacers because when he had it going offensively, they were yeah. a significantly better team. But also defensively, he was someone they really needed to count on. So we're all rooting for him. But you talked about this Pacers team, maybe if they have some bumps and bruises or some players being out of the rotation one night, just taking a game off, anything of that sort. TJ McConnell right now, he's 23. I mean, sorry, he's 31 years old. He's the veteran on this team. I mean, I'm older than, than 31, and it made me feel ancient because it's like we're considering TJ McConnell to be this, like, true vet, but the Pacers need it because we heard so many guys compliment James Johnson, George Hill, great veterans for this team that are no longer with the Pacers. We saw McConnell have seven assists, zero turnovers in the first quarter, no Halbert, no Nemhard. How vital is his veteran presence to this Pacers team as they're so young? Yeah, it's it's really important, and I'll, I'll even lump Buddy Heald into that category as well in that you've got a lot of young players. Tyrese obviously has a great personality, so I, I'm kind of removing him from this kind of generalization, but you have a lot of quiet guys, some of those youngsters that maybe hadn't, you know, had a chance to be a leader. You need guys like Buddy Heald and, and T.J. McConnell because to me, and I, I noticed it, just being back on the road again, they liven the mood, uh, whether it's on the bus on the way back from shoot around or, you know, the guys that are making someone laugh on the airplane. It, you know, you hear Tyrese all the time, but TJ and Buddy serve a role in, in the grind of an 82 game season, picking up guys when they're down, keeping the mood light, maybe saying something that you wouldn't expect. And for TJ specifically, it's easy for someone to say, okay, you got Halliburton, he's your point guard. And and Nemhard showed he could start off the ball, but he's your backup of the future. And, you know, you push TJ McConnell to the side. I'd be careful uh, about doing that because he is coming off the best year of his career. He is now someone who has to be at least respected from outside the arc. And he'll never forget how to hit that seven-foot baseline jumper. <laughs> and he, he gets into the paint so effectively. So um, the leadership... I think is important for him. If he if there's a night he's not playing, he's not going to pout either. He's going to understand. But I don't see him going quietly into that role anytime soon. He probably could be someone that is is an OG James Johnson type in the next three or four years. But he's not there yet. He he serves a role on the court and then on the bench as well. That's a great point, and I think that's something that maybe we've even overlooked a little bit in talking about this team, because when you talk about them generally, like you said, like the talent-wise, maybe it does make sense to move off of a veteran here or there to clear up space for younger guys to get that opportunity, but what they bring to a locker room and what they bring for team morale and team chemistry is something that you don't see in the box score, so I think that that is definitely something to keep an eye on if you're a Pacer fan, like don't dismiss veterans as much as maybe we have a little bit, and maybe we need to do a better job of that too. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think it's just great what TJ's done in terms of just the second longest tenured pacer, which is just so funny to think about McConnell that is, but has that new partnership with Jack's donuts where he's got the, the McConnell coffee. Now that was super yeah. cool. And I absolutely loved buddy healed yelling on the way to the plane for the, the first road trip in Memphis after Oklahoma defeated Texas uh, I'm sure him and Miles had a nice little conversation there about that game when he just screamed and social sent that out. But I wanted to talk about Buddy Hill because Buddy Hill is someone that has great chemistry with Tyrese and 
it appears that he'll most likely be coming off the bench this year in a totally different role, potentially not playing as much with Tyrese. And did you notice last year uh, a drop-off from Buddy at all when he played without Tyrese? And maybe how do you envision his role this year on this team? Um, Probably. I mean, I think everyone plays better with Tyrese, and he got a lot of shots because you had to respect Tyrese's three-point shooting, and you wouldn't sag off on Tyrese to help on Buddy. And so um, just the inherent knowledge that Tyrese had, he knew where Buddy would be. He knew where he likes to catch the ball. Um, They played together a lot. So, uh, But I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, well, he came off the bench, he wasn't as effective the last month of the year. I mean, I almost like to say from kind of March, mid-March to the end of the season, kind of throw it out because there were a lot of different things going on. You know, not just Tyrese. Miles was out for a while. They were playing young players. It just wasn't the same team. So um, I, I still think he could be effective. And I think that if he's on the second unit and TJ McConnell is there and TJ drives in the paint, you don't think he's going to know where Buddy is, and he's going to get him some shots as well. Um, maybe he's a little bit more the focal point of the defense if he's in that second unit. That's the big thing. Um, and I did see him put it on the, you know, go off dribble a little bit against Memphis more than you know just the catch and shoot that you're used to. So um, he can show some extra things to his game. The big thing is just going to be, um, you know, picking it up defensively. It's not just Buddy, but it's the entire team. They've got to do a little bit better job defensively and. That could be where the minutes in the starting lineup is determined. I, I'm just really excited because there's a lot of players that you got to find, you got to fit in the, the right situation. But it's a great problem to have. But Pacers have an identity. Having identity is re- extremely important. The days of the double bigs they're done, but now we've really leaned into playing a fast pace style offense. I think that you know that you, you bring in Obi Top and you bring in Bruce Brown to complement how Tyrese likes to play. Do you feel the Pacers can be one of those more entertaining NBA league pass type teams to the casual NBA fan? I hope so. Cause then they'll be watching us. Right. No, I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I, uh, I listened to a little, the little snippet of, of Zach Lowe when he was going over the actual uh, trade options. And he, he made a point to say he's moving the Pacers up a quite a bit in his league, his league pass rankings. I remember the 2017, 18 season, uh, I gave him the business all season long because we it. were either twenty, we were either twenty ninth or thirtieth, and in my you know nine or ten years, that still is going to go down as you know the most enjoyable season that I've had. And so, um, with those with expectations, hopefully the Pacers can live up to it. But uh, one of the tweets that went out there uh, in the summer, once the Pacers acquired Toppin and Brown, about the fastest players um, in transition: Tyrese, Obi, and Bruce Brown, and if they're playing a lot together. That's that says it all, right? I mean, they're every team acts like they want to play fast. Maybe not every twenty-seven to twenty-eight of the teams in in October are trying to play a faster brand of basketball. It always kind of slows down in the playoffs. But this is a team that to succeed, they need to be able to play fast. But they've just got to be able to get back and play defense also. That's a great point. Defense is going to be key for this season, and that's been the emphasis at training camp as well as position battles. But we're gonna. See how that plays out because I love what Carlisle said. I think the second day of practice, he's like, talk is cheap. we got to go up there and show it. I'm like, thank you because I was like, it's only like two days in and I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, we, yeah. I just want to see how they perform. And I felt like against Memphis, the defense wasn't great. So right. it's just a continued work in progress. But, you know, Obi Toppin having to guard a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., that's not going to be an easy matchup for him because Jaron's a lot bigger than him. So 
I just feel like expectations are at a great spot right now because there's not a lot of them in terms of what the coaching staff's putting out there or the front office. And the goal is to make the playoffs, but that should be the goal every single season for the players because that's what they want to do is ultimately win. But, you know, thinking about this year compared to that 17-18 team like you talked about, do you see any comparisons with any of the personalities or the players there aside from Miles because he's still on the roster? But from that team to this team, do you see any comparisons in terms of like how the roster fits and maybe some personality-wise? Well, you know, I've mentioned how much that I thought Buddy and TJ were important. And if I if I think back to that team, you had the young emerging stars and Victor having his best year and Sabonis turning into an all-star. But when I really think about that team, the, the two guys that kind of stand out to me the most were Thaddeus Young and Darren Collison. And they were guys that were in that 20, you know, 9 to 30, 31 range that had been around for a while. But they were really important in, in bringing the best out of their teammates. Maybe it just so happened to help that they were great with, with me and the media. And I felt like there was just there was just something about the professionalism that they had. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, the, the Pacers vets are at all comparable to them. But I think the role that the Pacers vets have and and let's throw Tyson into the mix. People don't know a lot about him, but he's had a lot of success playing basketball. And if I think of those three guys, I think they're going to be really important in bringing out the best from the youngsters um, that the Pacers have this year. And so they, the Pacers were probably maybe a little bit more poised then than we thought because, you know, Sabonis and Oladipo were, were a little bit older than, than the guys that the Pacers have that they want maybe to make that next step right now. Um, but, but the mix is what I think is really important. And it's one of those things the front office can never fully anticipate what's a good chemistry experiment and what isn't. And they, in the last 10 years, you know, you can think of some years that just the mix didn't work, you know, mm -hmm. when, when Paul George got hurt or when they tried to bring in, um, you know, Teague Ellis, this isn't necessarily to say anything about them, but just the entire mix did not work then. And, and I think the mix is going to be important this year. And that's why. I was as I was as concerned when I heard the, the you know the the reports about Buddy about taking his three point shooting away as I was just um, the vibe that I thought he brought and so I, I hope they can always have room for those guys that are twenty eight to thirty that maybe they're just a little bit past their best days but they still have a lot of good basketball in front of them but I think to be a really team that's going to have success you got to have some guys like that so that'd be maybe the the comparison um, but. The difference is Zach Lowe thought we were 29th or 30th, and I had no idea what to expect. I was just hoping and praying they could get in the playoffs, and they exceeded those expectations. There are – maybe it's more internally than externally because I still see a lot of people making their playoff projections, and it seems like most people say Pacers 9th or 10th. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like they can exceed those expectations, but there is – a quiet little murmur going around the NBA that you better keep an eye on the Pacers. So I think there's probably a little bit more expectations even for this team than that one, but there's the potential to be just as fun. And, uh, you know, Tyree Taliburton is probably a big reason for that. I think it's better to be underdogs than have yeah. too much <laughs> pressure on that. You know, yeah. we work well in a situation where we could exceed expectations rather than having high expectations. But talking about this group as a whole, Look, not many expected Coach Carlisle to be rebuilding at this point in his career, anything of that sort, but it feels like that timeline has sped up. 
Last year felt like almost two seasons in one. How much fun do you feel that Rick's having with this group as they might be looking to push for a playoff spot? You know, Rick Carlisle is someone that has a lot of pride and passion for the Indiana Pacers. He, uh, for all the time that he spent in Dallas, you know, this was where, um, you know, it all started for him. When you think about the days as an assistant coach and, you know, then previously serving as a head coach and his relationship, let's just say, with Larry Bird, who was at practice last week, I think is important. And so it's not like he's at a point where he is counting the days or thinking, you know, I got to I got to retire. Like if he feels young and if he's enjoying things, then I don't know that that part really matters. What really matters to him is I think he wants to before he hangs it up. He wants to get the Pacers a championship. I mean, how cool would that be to kind of close to come full circle and to do that? And so what's the best way to do that? Well, when he when he got the job, it was a different team. And I think it was worth trying to see if it would work. Once the decision was made at that trade deadline that first year, it was clear that it was going to be a, a big – it was going to be kind of a long haul. It was going to be a big-picture approach. That didn't change his mentality of wanting to get this team back in that championship conversation and, who knows, one day maybe hang a banner. And so I don't think there was ever a time where he thought, oh, this is going to take too long. I don't want to do this. In fact, I felt like – to your point, he maybe was even invigorated a little bit more by the youth movement. Um, the relationship with Halliburton, I think, is really strong. That's probably – it's pretty important for your head coach and your your best player to, to get along great. And I've seen nothing but a great relationship there. And I think that, that that's a credit to Rick. It's also a credit to Tyrese. I think he respects um, what Rick has done as a player, as a coach, the, the amount of time he's put in in the league. So it, it's not what you expected maybe when you when you make that hire and you have a little bit of an older team and you're trying to maybe make the pieces fit. But in hindsight, it's maybe the best thing possible because he is a guy that wants to see this all the way through and doesn't want to take cut corners, even if it seems uh, they maybe were able to, to skip a year. It, it feels that way to me, but I think – they don't want to skip and say, okay, well, we skipped a year. So now just go all in now because there still is this sort of big, there's a still big picture approach because the ultimate goal is still to not be just a playoff team is to win a championship. Yeah, exactly. And I think knowing that Tyrese, your franchise guy is going to be here for the next five plus years, it does give you a little bit of that window to not feel like you have to rush to, to appease him. But at the same time, you still want to show him, Hey, we're heading in the right direction. We're not just kind of staying in this spot where we're going to continue to be a, you know, a team that could be a play in team, but they want to make the right roster moves to get themselves into, like you said, a playoff contending team, eventually, not officially, eventually get into that spot where you could be, Hey, this team can actually compete for a championship. So JJ, I do this a lot with when we have players on and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever really talked with you about like non-basketball stuff, but I am curious, you know, you've been an Indiana guy for a while. What are some of your go-to spots food-wise in Indy? And maybe give a shout-out to one that is a little bit of a hole-in-the-wall, you know, support local business, that kind of thing. Uh, good question. And some of it just depends on location, uh, where where I'm at when I'm hungry. And uh, one of the, my favorite spots before uh, I moved to the suburbs was I lived uh, near Butler, and I love the Yats at uh, – the original Yats 
for what 54th in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't go there as much, but there's now times when I'm heading home from practice and I've got some extra time. I'll go pull off over there at Mass Ave and, and I'll get some, uh, I'll get some yaks. I'm a big breakfast person. So I, um, I do enjoy, um, rice, cafe patachu. Um, it's good to always start your day with a good breakfast. That's what I actually probably like as much on the road as well. When I'm traveling is get a good breakfast, kind of skip over lunch, get a quick bite in the media room before a game and, and that, that breakfast can kind of send me on my way just a little bit. Um, I did want to give a shout out to one place that's just opened in Zionsville and it's called our place. And it's just a coffee shop and it, it's at the old Noah grants and Noah grants is now across the street. Noah grants is great. Um, it's a little on the expensive side, so you can't go there that frequently, but, uh, uh, great food at Noah grants, but our place is like this perfect coffee shop to me. Um, because the coffee's great. It's a good atmosphere. You can sit in there and refill. And so lately I've been just going in there after taking my son to school every once in a while, and I'll just go and sit in there for 20 or 30 minutes and just have coffee. If you want a breakfast sandwich or a bagel, um, it's good. And I'll give them a shout out because I was just in today and they gave me a free coaster because they're celebrating their one year anniversary. So hey. shout out to our, our place coffee in Zionsville. Hey, love it. I uh, always, always got to respect, you know, shouting out that the local businesses goes a long way. But JJ, my guy, we really appreciate you. Every time it feels like you come back on, it just feels like Pacer basketball is right around the corner. Best time of the year. Hey, want to shout you out 10 years, 10th season. Hey, I'm looking forward to 10, 20, however many more that you want to keep going. We're going to be, you know, still supporting you because you've always given us that support. So it goes a long way. But tell everybody where they can find you out on social media. Well, uh, at Pacers JJ, and I actually have a little trick. I'm Ooh. still on Twitter. Everyone else is on X now, but on my phone, I've still never updated the app, so I've still got the blue bird on my phone. Wow. Yeah, there's some, yeah so there's some benefits. It's still a, it's still a retweet uh, for me. Um, oh, wow. My, iPad, my, my, my iPad did the automatic update, so yeah. there I've got the X, but the blue bird is still alive for me <laughs> at Pacers JJ. Keep going um, strong. And, and, Yes, and on uh, Instagram as well. I don't I don't Instagram quite as much as I should. I know I gotta get with the times, but when the season starts, I'll I'll post more more what, photos. What's um, what's up with these TV guys? Chris Sinari, Jeremiah Johnson, they can't get it figured out on the Instagram. You guys are supposed to be in front of the camera. What is going on here? I know, but <laughs> I, I don't love the like, hey, look at me every day. This is what I'm doing. And I feel like that's what I get from Instagram more than than Twitter. True. Um, or X now, but and I understand that the, the Twitter platform has its its weaknesses. But I was also the guy that had the newspaper in the driveway for the longest time. Um, so I, I guess I'm just slow to adapt to change. Um, that's probably it. my biggest my biggest issue. Um, but I probably could. Uh, I need to get some tips from you guys on growing the brand a little bit, and maybe I could even get on TikTok. But it just seems so. <laughs> when I see when I see some of the stuff that people waste their time with, not that I'm. I, um, you know, I, I do, I waste plenty of time on social media, but mostly it's just scrolling through Twitter, but I just, I'm never that satisfied with what I see on uh, Instagram. So I just don't go there as much. Yet. Um. Hey, n- nothing wrong with that. My Instagram is pretty much just, uh, 
resharing these videos and, and pictures of my baby. I, I got nothing yeah. else going on in my life. So, you know, <laughs> you're really not missing that much, but you are a great follow on Twitter. So everybody make sure that you are following. And I'll be tweet. I'll be tweeting. Uh, or what do you say? Do you, you say X? No, no, no. We're we're, we're, we're tweeting. Out tweeting here. Yeah. We're still, yeah. There's I, no X in. There's no, none of yeah. that. We're I'll be tweeting things. a lot more now that the season's going. Uh, and I'll, obviously, I'll try to share, you know, snippets from practice and comments from players and and some some analysis when the situation warrants itself. So, looking forward to it. And the sideline guys, we haven't gotten an official date for the first show of the new season, but it'll be in the next week or so. That's I'm great. excited. I will say, too, if you guys haven't already, make sure you uh, do go listen to one of the Sideline Guys episodes where they interviewed Roy Hibbert. Very, yes, from the offseason. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those ones where you can always go back and listen to. It's kind of like not timely in terms of like what's happening currently. So it's great to go back and listen to some of the old Pacers talk. And I I love Roy Hibbert. How can you not love Roy? Just oh, yeah. a fun, a fun personality for sure. It was actually, it was, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of had forgotten about it that we did it in the summer. And uh, I didn't know how it would go because to be honest, once he left, my only real interaction with him, I had probably two. One was in the Lakers locker room and it could not have been more uncomfortable and he was not pleasant at all. And then a few years go by and he was actually helping the 76ers, I think the pandemic mm-hmm. season. Yep. And I did go up to him and, and talk to him and then he was like full of smiles and really nice. Um, but I mean, he took it to another level on that podcast and uh, did not hesitate in sharing any story that he, that we asked him. So that was a fun one. I, I just think that he's in a much, much better headspace now. And it's awesome to see. And also he's been doing like a bunch of like jujitsu or MMA or whatever it is. I mean, Awesome. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to go up against someone seven foot two, you know, Roy Hibbert size. But, you know, awesome that, you know, you guys are able to have him on. It, it's a great listen. And I love nothing more than being able to bring back those guests of the past. So let me know if you ever have any luck with Danny Granger because that's another Pacer fan. He, all us Pacer fans, we need to just hear from Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert, those guys. They mean so much to us. So awesome job being able to get Roy. Everybody, you have to check out that episode. JJ, we really appreciate having you back on, and best of luck this season. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'll be uh, I'll be spending some time on the airplanes, listening to setting the pace this season. So we keep me entertained. You. We will, we will do that for sure, JJ. Uh, we will uh, be right. right back after this, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everybody, there you have it. Make sure you guys do go check out that Roy Hibbert interview on the Sideline Guys podcast. Highly recommend it. A really fun listen. Roy Hibbert, just a Pacers legend, right? You just oh, have yeah. to you have to listen to those episodes. You cannot pass on those if you haven't. If you missed it for some reason, know the offseason can be kind of busy with non-Pacer stuff going on in your world. Maybe you're on a vacation and just missed it. So check that out. But Fachi, anything else that you took away from what JJ t- uh, talked to us about? Mm, just that this season, I mean, he acknowledged it. This is one of the deepest Pacer rosters that he has seen. And there there is this vibe of like, but really excitement. Like, yes, the Pacers don't have the Eastern Conference Finals 
championship expectations or anything like that, but there there's higher expectations compared to last year. And this is a fun group. It's going to be an entertaining group. And if they can figure it out defensively, watch out because we're no longer that team that people are overlooking. Some mm-hmm. people are saying, Hey, watch out for the Indiana Pacers. Like they might sneak up on you. And that's yeah. the difference from last year. Yeah. TJ McConnell actually brought that up at media day. He said, look, I guess he was like, we were, not on anybody's radar last year, but the way we played, we're going to start being on team's radar. So I do think that that is going to have some kind of impact on this season. Maybe it does impact the win total. Who knows? But this is a fun Pacers team. I think that we're going to continue to see them make the step in the right direction. I have all the faith in the world with Tyrese Halliburton at the point guard and Rick Carlisle as the head coach that Rick, you know, this is a team that's going to be good and they're going to exceed expectations probably for maybe what the experts quote unquote would say, I think around 38 wins right now. Mm-hmm. So it would not surprise me if they, <laughs> I'd actually be disappointed, Fachi, if they didn't get 40 wins at least oh, yeah. this season. So that's just my personal expectations from this team. But some, I've seen some fans say 45 to 50 is the range they want to see them in and might be uh, hoping a little bit too much there. But I like the optimism, I like the excitement. So do I. Look, there's nothing wrong with being confident or optimistic in your team at all. I think that this Pacers team, yes, to your point, it would be disappointing if they won two more games than last year and finished at 37 wins because they have improved this roster. Bringing in Obi Toppin, bringing in Bruce Brown, drafting Jarris Walker, that right over there feels like it's worth more than two wins. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally do have this Pacers team just above 500, which would be a solid improvement from last year. That's arguably seven wins more than last year. That's It's tough to continuously improve you know, that many wins at a time. But the Pacers have everything that it takes to be in that playoff hunt. I, I very much think that whether it's the play-in or the actual playoffs, the Pacers will be in that you know, top 10, but hopefully that top eight. I know a lot of people say that's not good enough. I want top six. Guys, it's coming. It's coming. We are set to be in a really good spot for years to come. And you know what? When the right move comes around, the Pacers will be able to make it. But for now, for staying the course, to still be able to be a playoff team and maybe had a a rebuild of just about one year, I don't know, man. I I can't complain one bit about that. Yeah, I would just say – don't get down on the team if they go through a little bit of a, str- a struggle, that kind of thing. Like, just stay with the team. It's a long 82-game season. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, this is going to be a team that's going to excite you, a team that's going to want to make you go to the field house to watch the games in person, be a part of that environment, feel that excitement when Obi Toppin's catching a lot from Tyrese or Ben Mather and shakes somebody up and drives to the basket or Turner blocks a really, you know, game – deciding shot or, or Halliburton hits a game winner. This, this is a team that brought us a lot of highlights last oh, year. Oh, yeah. We're going to continue to see that as this team grows and gets better. But, Fachi, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap today's episode up. want to thank JJ once again for coming on. We always appreciate having JJ on. But let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. Yes, I say that every episode, but we will have this episode available for you on the YouTube channel. So if you'd like to see our conversation with Jeremiah Johnson, that will be available for you. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited to see the Pacers back in action Tuesday night, 
against the Houston Rockets in some preseason ball. Then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.